Hi, and welcome to The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. We're presented with the support of Medical Mutual. I'm your host, Dan Paletta. Glad you can join us today. And we're glad to be joined today by U.S. Senator Sherrod Brown, who's here to talk about what's happening in Washington and how it's going to affect us in the Buckeye State. Senator Brown, thanks for being with us today. Of course. Thanks. And um, my pleasure to do it with you, Dan, and also with Cranes. I subscribe to Cranes, and when I come home from Washington every week, it's in the mailbox. They're actually brought in the house by my wife, so then it's in the, it's in a stack on the table, so thank you. Well, we appreciate you reading. So let's talk about probably the big subject, uh, the American Jobs Plan that everybody is talking about, President Biden's decision to make a massive investment into infrastructure in order to help the economy as well as to rebuild infrastructure. So why is this going to work? Well, it's so important because, I mean, we, we remember four years ago, President Trump had announced a trillion and a half dollar infrastructure plan. And then instead, he and his party decided to go the direction of giving a tax cut that went overwhelmingly to the richest people in our country, leaving our infrastructure to continue to atrophy. And whether it's broadband or whether it's, um, it's, it's highways or bridges or water and sewer systems, and our state too often gets left behind by Washington and by Wall Street. And this is a chance where, you know, I'm right in the middle of it, working with President Biden, and we're going to see infrastructure in terms of housing and education and water and sewer and broadband and, and human infrastructure, too, in terms of helping families that, that don't have child care and, and are, want to go back into the workplace. One of the arguments that we hear opposed to it is some people are saying, well, the infrastructure is being defined too broadly. Is that is that a fair statement? Well, I, I don't really think it's up to me or Senator Portman or Senator McConnell to decide, well, um, this is too partisan or this is uh, not about infrastructure. It's um, I, I've done dozens and dozens, probably hundreds, I don't know, roundtables over the last 14 months with all kinds of Ohioans, workers, local governments, business, small business people, I mean, all teachers, everybody. And they, they, people want us to go big. This election was about going big. And that means um, dealing with the myriad problems. We know the pandemic was the great revealer. It revealed wealth inequality. It revealed structural racism. It revealed how we fall far short in making the internet accessible to all kinds of people in cities and rural areas and Appalachia, all other, everywhere. So it's so important we go big. And when you, when you look at the first Biden package, uh, the um, American Recovery Plan, uh, McConnell said it's partisan, no Republican voted for it, yet 60% of Trump voters after it passed said that they were for it. So again, it's not, it's not up to me or, or my colleagues in the Senate say this is too partisan, this isn't. It's not up to us to listen to the public and say, what do, you, what do you want? And it's clear the public wants these problems solved in a big way. Inevitably, when a plan this size is proposed, the counter is, well, it's going to make the deficit too big. Now, as Vice President Cheney once said, President Reagan reminded us that the, uh, the deficit doesn't matter. Now, does the deficit matter in this case? Well, deficit always matters some, but uh, I didn't hear the, the loudest critics of the deficit now were the, the biggest cheerleaders for cutting taxes on the rich, blowing a hole in the federal budget four years ago. So I, I, I think about the deficit. I, I listened to I listened to the three, the sitting and the two previous chairs of the Federal Reserve, Ben Bernanke appointed by Bush, Janet Yellen appointed by, um, by Obama, the, the, the sitting chair, Jay Powell appointed by Trump. All three of them said it's important to go big. They, they in various gradations say we'll either grow out of it 
or interest rates are low, so it's not a terrible, terrible problem. And we we have to deliver for the country if we're if we're just going to be you know just just drift, which some people I guess are saying we should do, not not move forward at all. I think in the end that that hurts us much more, it hurts our economy much more. And uh, there there's no evidence that there's no evidence of real inflation. There's there's some evidence that if we don't go big enough, um, it will cause more unemployment or not. It will not allow companies or encourage companies to call people back to work. So all of those things are, are a factor. But I think that President Biden and Secretary Janet Yellen, she was head of the Fed. Now she's Secretary of the Treasury. I think they, they are taking us in the right direction. This is The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. More of our conversation in just a moment. But first, a word from our partner, Medical Mutual. So what are the prospects of cutting a deal with Republicans? Will this be able to happen with, with their support or without their support? Well, I don't know about cutting a deal. I know we've got to move forward. I, I always start with bipartisanship. I work with Senator Portman on a number of things that matter to Lake Erie and job training and some things unique to Ohio. Um, but I, I'm not going to wait and wait and wait until um, some people in Washington think, well, it's got to be so bipartisan or it's not worth doing. To me, I'm listening to the public. I'm doing these roundtables. I, I hear from local officials, regardless of party, uh, that, that we need to move forward. And I, w- I would add that one of the things that happened last year, we put a lot of, put out there a lot of help for state governments, and it was bipartisan. It was unanimous a year, 14 months ago. Um, but I heard a number of mayors in both parties, more Republicans than Democrats, there are more Republican mayors in Ohio than there are Democrats, I believe, say, you know, we need flexibility, you got to trust us. And I I was um, a bit stricken, maybe stricken's too strong. I was a bit alarmed that, that the, you know, that, that Senator McConnell and President Trump didn't really trust local governments to make the decisions to do this right. So, I, I mean, I, I know my hometown of Cleveland well. I know Mansfield. I grew up there. I know this state well. I've been doing this a while. But I also, but I, I always want to rely on the mayors of Lima and Akron and Toledo to figure out, we give them help. They figure out the best way to spend it and invest it locally um, on whatever they decide, job training, water and sewer system, um, unemployment, whatever they think is most important for their community is we should follow their lead. They, they simply know more about their local communities than we do. Is there a particular part of the investment package, though, for the infrastructure you think is that is really important to Ohio, something, one thing in particular? I realize it's a large package. Yeah, I have trouble answering that because I would, if you ask me an hour from now, I'd probably give a different answer because there are so many things that are important. I mean, first of all, um, there, there are there are literally uh, a few thousand, I believe. It's, it's, it's many more than you believe. Little um, bridges, township bridges and culverts and all that are, that are increasingly, um, that are, that are um, not functional the way that we need them to be. Um, so there's all of that in Ohio and Wall Street. Ohio has been ignored by Wall Street and by Washington too long. There is, um, there is some of the really big projects, uh, not in Crane's area, but in Cincinnati, the a bridge that brings 3% of GDP, cross that bridge, 3% of GDP every day, every week, every year. Um, and there are, there are water and sewer systems. There is broadband. And one of the things I learned, and I think many of us learned during um, COVID, was how many students didn't have access to broadband, how many patients that want to use broadband to get in touch with their doctor because they don't want to be in the same room or even travel, um, how important all these things were 
that broadband matters. So um, I, I guess I could answer investment in broadband. I could answer water and sewer and bridge projects. I could answer uh, the unemployment, the the, um, the investment in kids uh, so that, that people can go back to work. One of the biggest reasons that so many women aren't back at work, it's not that they're lazy, they want to work. That's what some partisan far right people say. The reason they're not back at work is they don't have child care. And for the wages they're paid, they're fearful of, of, of getting COVID and then coming home and exposing their children to it, especially at the pay that so many of these unemployed workers were used to getting pre-pandemic. Let's talk about the American Families Plan. It would expand the earned income tax credit and also full refundability of the child tax credit would make those permanent. So who would be the primary beneficiaries of, of that if that happens? Well, that, that's a great question, Dan. In fact, uh, 92% of children in Ohio, would be, children under 18, would benefit from the child tax credit and the full refundability of it. The lower income people will benefit more. It's fully refundable. Um, it will cut the child poverty rate in half. Um, I, I wrote this bill, my staff, mostly my staff and I, um, we've been working on this for eight years since 2013. I went to see President Obama about it. Um, we passed the, the we passed the expansion for one calendar year back in the bill we passed in, in early March. Uh, we have work to do to make it at least five years. I'm hopeful permanent um, because it will it will it will mean that all kinds of families have more opportunity for their children. We know what's happened in this country that so many low income people just simply can't. It's not because they don't work. They in many ways work harder than than most of us do. It's they they just need some opportunity so they can, you know, they, they, they can provide for their children and maybe put a few dollars away to go to Lorraine Community College or Tri-C or Lakeland or Cleveland State or whatever. And we've just failed this generation of low income kids. And this is our chance. This is the this is the highlight of my career. The bill we passed getting the child tax credit for for 92 percent of Ohio kids. Um, earlier this year, and getting the pension bill um, passed that means full pensions for 100,000 workers, union workers that had that were afraid they had lost a big chunk of their pensions. One of the things you've heard argued about in past plans like aids to families with dependent children or the temporary assistance for needy families is that it punished work, that if you went to work and earned money, you started, that you, lost, you started to lose your benefits. Does this plan deal with that in a different fashion? Well, there's two things. There's the child, the earned income tax credit, which I worked on my starting my first day in the Senate, and I worked on in the House too. The earned income tax credit: if you're making twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars a year, you um, you get a, a a a good chunk of money refundable. The harder you work, the more hours, and the more your income up to a certain level, the more help you get. Um, the other part of it is the child tax credit, and I, I just think if we're going to value children in this country, um, we this check of 300 or $250 or 300, depending on the age of your child that you receive once a month that will start in July will allow those kids to have more opportunity. And, you know, I, I mean, I, I know that uh, I, I hear the arguments that, uh, that far too many people that are affluent like me look, look and like to say that people are lazy and sometimes they inject race into it. It's, it's not, it's just simply not true. And it's not what you build public policy on. What's the plan to pay for it? Uh, the plan to pay for it is not clear yet. Uh, one of the things I want to do is there's something called the tax gap. Um, and I, I have introduced legislation with Ron Wyden, worked with Senator Wyden, the chair of the Finance Committee. I'm a senior member in that committee. Um, we can we, we know there is there is more than a trillion dollars out there that has not that is not collected 
um, because the more affluent you are, the more tax shelters you have, and the more you have, the, 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 there are clearly cases of people using those tax shelters uh, that, that we should close that tax gap. It would mean a lot of money to pay for these things. Um, and Secretary Yellen, including the two Republican chairs of the Federal Reserve before and after her, Powell and, and Bernanke, are not concerned right now, down the road perhaps, but right now in making sure everything's paid for. Uh, we want it to be, and I want to pay for it with, with a fair tax system. Uh, Biden has promised nobody making under $400,000 will see a tax increase. I'm on with that. I agree with that. Um, but people should be paying their fair share. And keep in mind, Congress just four years ago, um, in a total partisan vote with President Trump, gave a trillion dollars, more than a trillion dollars to the wealthiest people in the country, people who have gotten richer and richer. We know that the wealthy have done materially even better during this um, this COVID, during this pandemic. Um, we know that more and more corporations are doing stock buybacks and doing dividend distribution in ways that the executives get wealthier and wealthier. We're going to bring, as the new chair of the Banking, Housing, and Urban Affairs Committee, I've been, I've been chair since February, uh, we're bringing the six bank CEOs um, to, to our committee to talk about how they can revitalize the economy. You mentioned Senator Wyden. You two have worked together on what's called the Rapid Response Mechanism for the United States-Mexico-Canada Agreement. Can you explain what that mechanism is, what it does, and how it's assisting workers not only here but in, in other places? Yeah, we know that in, in Cleveland, in my hometown of Mansfield, in Garfield, in Ashtabula, where my wife's from, in Akron, Canton, all over Northeast Ohio, we have seen uh, what's happened with a trade policy and a tax policy that encourages companies to shut down production in Euclid or in Lorraine to move overseas, get a tax break, hire workers at a third or a fifth or a tenth the wage, and then sell those products back into the United States. It, is, it has caused the population stagnation and the economic decline of Ohio more than any single factor. Uh, when, the pre when President Trump put out the United States-Mexico, the USMCA, United States-Mexico-Canada um, agreement uh, that, that they had renegotiated, it looked too much like the original NAFTA they were renegotiating, it looked too much like the original NAFTA. So I went to work with Senator Wyden. We wrote the Brown-Wyden language. And the Brown-Wyden language says simply when companies go overseas to Mexico, Canada less so, but go to Mexico, and the, the, the company in Mexico, usually US, US owned in many cases, um, undercuts wages, bust unions, um, breaks, breaks our labor law, that we can take action against them and say, you do this, you can't sell your products back into the United States. What that will mean, the brown wine language, and they've used this twice already in the first four months of the year. Biden's only been president for three and a half months, something like that. Um, what that will mean is the companies are gonna think twice before they shut down in Akron or Canton or shut down in Sandusky and move overseas thinking they're getting a break because they can exploit cheap labor and weak environmental laws. And that's been the biggest, that's why I fight against these trade agreements, because I know in the end, they undermine the dignity of work. They take a livelihood away from American workers and they don't treat Mexican workers with any dignity either with their cut wages and their weak environmental and worker safety laws. We just saw the uh, colonial pipeline cyber attack that led to sh some fuel shortages on the East Coast. What can Congress do to re require critical companies to tell the government they've been hacked? Yeah, I, I, um, I don't have a really good answer for that. I, I did, Fortunately, it didn't affect Ohio. Um, I'm paying attention to it. We've talked to the White House about it. I will follow the lead of, of law enforcement 
and the people in the White House that know what kinds of things we can do to stop this. It just means we know there are malevolent players out there. Um, a number of them we know are Russian, a number of them we know are Chinese, a number of them live in this country and and probably are citizens for all we know. But there are people that, that wish to do us damage and law enforcement is really important to rely on and assist to make sure that, that the damage they do doesn't have the impact this did on our country and our economy. I just recently read an op-ed piece talking about the toxic political nature of our country and, and the writer proposed, he said part of the problem he felt is that people on both sides of the aisle have become too concerned with, in quotes, owning the other side as opposed to pointing to their accomplishments. Is there a way we can change that political dialogue and, and get us back to a sort of more bipartisan uh, approach? I know that's easier said than done, but I'm curious in your opinion. And I, 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 don't, I don't buy the false equivalency. Uh, I mean, President Trump was always about dividing people, using race, using gender, attacking people personally. We've never seen a president do that. Biden is almost the exact opposite of that. And Biden respects, I was in the Senate with Biden. I've talked to him a zillion times in Ohio and in Washington. And um, we've got to, I mean, we, we, of course we need to do things bipartisanly, but um, the, you know, the Trump people are still saying the election wasn't honest and fair. They have, they have essentially, well, in essence, They've thrown people out of their party that dared to criticize President Trump. Democrats have never done anything like that. We would oppose it if, if any major Democratic figure tried to do that. So um, this isn't a false equivalency that both parties, Democrats aren't perfect, of course, but we have never acted this way, claiming an election was stolen and, and gotten our, and so many elected officials refused to acknowledge it. Um, and so uh, we've got to fix that. And I, one at a time, I'm working, I'm working with a number of Republicans on a number of different bills that will help that. But until Republicans realize they're not the party of Trump, they're not the party of one guy, they're not aiding and abetting a president, former president, who continues to say the election was stolen when there's zero evidence it was, um, we have a problem and they've got to clean up their act. I, I, want, to, I, I want to help. But my job is to get things done for this country, bipartisanly if we can, but getting our, our, our going forward, fixing this country as we did on the American Recovery Plan, as we will on the American Families Act, as we will on the infrastructure bill. One final question, very important. You're a baseball fan. Is there any extra money in Washington you can get the tribe some clutch hitters? Yeah, I, well, Lindor is, Lindor's not, is hitting under 200 still. Not that I check every day. I don't, I don't wish Lindor ill. But he's sitting, I think, 191 after today. He's gone like nine, nine bats. That's really. Um, I, yeah, I, I, um, I know the Indians' payroll is about the same as Lindor's entire um, annual salary. So um, I, I, I don't know. They, they really, they need. They, they've got um, the guy from Minnesota, Rosado, who's not really hitting Rosario. But then they've got who is a good hitter though, and they've got Ramirez, you know, MVP almost every year. And um, beyond that, I don't know. So good pitching, but. They got to have some hitting to win this division, but we will see. Let's hope things heat up. Senator Sherrod Brown, thanks so much for joining us today. It's been a great pleasure having you. Good, good interview. Thank you. Senator Sherrod Brown's joined us for The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. We're brought to you with the support of Medical Mutual. I'm your host, Dan Paletta. Thanks on behalf of our producer, Kobe Smith. We'll talk to you again soon.